Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit podcast, the POD cast, as we so cleverly call it. Here for your Detroit Lions news, reactions, analysis, anything you need. Um, We're live on Twitch. We're live on YouTube. Check out those channels if you haven't already. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am your interim head coach of this podcast as Chris takes the night off. Um, You can find me at Detroit Online. With me, as always, our co-host, Ryan Matthews. Back is the mother. That's at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how are we doing tonight? I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing I'm doing just fine. It's it's over. It's over. It is over. It is mercifully over and only maybe fun stuff is ahead. Some exciting stuff. There is certainly excitement ahead. And we're going to get into that because there was some news that dropped before Sunday's game that we absolutely have to get into because it's fascinating. It, really, both news nuggets are fascinating in their own ways. But I'm getting ahead of myself because we have another guest slash co-host slash Pride of Detroit contributor. I don't know what we were going to call you, Mike, but Mike Payton is here again uh, at POD underscore Payton. How you doing, Mike? Four years and I still don't have a title. I mean, what? <laughs> uh, I'm just looking forward to, you know, spending my weekends antiquing and things of that nature now that I don't have to do the lion stuff anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, So in this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about the game. There were some interesting things that happened in the game. We're going to talk about some performances in this game that may have been farewell performances. Um, And then, as I mentioned before, we're going to get into some GM and coaching news. And then we're going to kind of preview the offseason a tad uh, in our final segment. So let's jump into it right away. Let's talk about the Lions-Vikings game. They lose. What was the score? 37-35. Uh, in a shootout uh, that we all kind of predicted would happen, I think. Um, Ryan, let's just throw it to you. Let, do you have like a main takeaway from this game and in, in terms of what happened or, or what it means? What does it all mean, Basil, as you would say? <laughs> um, great reference. Um, but no, I think for me personally, the, the one big takeaway I had from this game is that uh, I was right about Matthew Stafford playing and how it makes it an entertaining product. Like, yeah, without Matthew Stafford, you know, this game wouldn't have been halfway compelling and it wouldn't have been as halfway as competitive either. Um, some of the throws that he made, if this is the last bit of Matthew Stafford we get to see in a Lions jersey, what an absolute bummer for him to go out in a loss on some pretty, pretty bad officiating calls. And like the, the one play that comes to mind is right before the half. The ball that he fit into Mohamed Sanu. I mean, how many quarterbacks in the NFL can make that type of throw? So I, I'm not saying that this is the end for Matthew Stafford. I'm not saying that I think the Lions should move on from him or even myself. I don't think that the Lions should move on from Matthew Stafford. But, you know, I, I know Mike has an opinion about where he thinks uh, Matthew Stafford's uh, career is headed. So, um, but that was my one big takeaway from today was just. Man, it was really entertaining to watch Matthew Stafford play. Like that's the night and day difference. I know the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a different football team than the Minnesota Vikings, but the game was entertaining, and and that's that's a lot to be said for a team that had nothing to play for in in Week 17. And I mean, what what more iconic Matthew Stafford performance can we get? What what more emblematic of his entire Lions career than this one, where he puts up almost 300 yards? a pass rating of over 110, you know, dropping dimes everywhere. And it's not enough because of one bad officiating to 
uh, horrible, horrible, horrible defense. Um, the I mean, worst just... defense of all <laughs> time in Lions history. Yeah, they set their record of most points allowed, most yards are allowed in this game. I think they just came yeah. up short in terms of total yards in NFL history. Um, but, I mean, yeah, mission accomplished, Matt Patricia. Way to go, bud. Uh, Mike, how about you? Do you have a, a main takeaway from this game? Maybe the whole defensive genius thing was like the idea was to bait everyone in. Like, okay, we were going to hustle them. We're going to have a real <laughs> bad defense this year. And then next year, we were going to be like the best defense. I think it, I think that was the plan. But mm. uh, no, the thing that stood out to me was like, <laughs> This is clearly the this is the end of of a lot of Lions players uh careers or times being here in Detroit. I mean this I, I don't think this team's gonna be recognizable six months from now. I, I I think a lot of these guys that not even just the free agents that we're talking about, but a lot of guys that are under contract, I think the Lions are gonna eat up a lot of dead money to get rid of a lot of different people. And this was just kind of a merciful end to it all. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to argue with that. There are guys like Justin Coleman, uh, <clears throat> Jesse James, guys on on big, big old contracts. I mean, even you could make an argument that Jamie Collins might not be around given his age and maybe won't be a, a, as good of a fit, even though he's probably one of the line's best defenders right now. Um, might not be a good fit for whatever guy is coming in. Then, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, that whole defensive side needs to just be blown up. But yeah, I mean, Jared Davis probably, I think we can all agree, probably played his last game. He's an unexpiring contract. Just, yeah. It, I mean, does the net, does the next head coach need a guy like Danny Shelton? He might be expendable if, if you got a, if you got a cheap guy like John Penasini who can do essentially the same thing. Duran Harmon. I mean, there's, there's, there's literally an endless list of, of guys on that defense that, that could be, Going uh, somewhere else, or, or maybe maybe not even in the NFL. Uh, Does Christian Jones stick around though? Like what? What if he's like the like the sole survivor of the 2020 Detroit Lions defense? Is he, Christian Jones? He's just the cockroach. I was gonna say he kind of already gives off some cockroach vibes, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. It's just like the man has somehow managed to get extensions in Detroit, despite absolutely no reason for him, and like. None he's just he's he's the opposite of Jalen Reeves Maven where we've we've seen flashes of Jalen Reeves Maven yet the Lions refuse to put him out there meanwhile Christian Jones has shown you everything about him and you don't like it yet starter extension it's it's <laughs> bizarre it doesn't make any sense um but that that all kind of leads nicely into my um take of the game which is some of the Lions players who we we have Yet who we think might not be gone, might not be here next year. They put on some nice vintage performances. And I have to start with Marvin Jones because my goodness, the dude should have had over 230 yards. He ended with what, 190 and two touchdowns, should have had three. Um, this which might have been statistically, is this his best performance as a Lion? Might be. It's, his second, it's his second best performance ever. Um, I think he had 200 yards in, in a single game. He would have eclipsed it had they. Uh, had that one place stood. Um, but yeah, he's a guy who, if you listen to earlier in the week, he certainly sounded like a guy with already one foot out the door in terms of his relationship with the Lions and, you know, excited for free agency, all that sort of stuff. But he didn't literally have one foot out the door because dude put on a heck of a performance and and you know he was he had his own contract in mind. Um, guy's turning 31, so he has to prove himself still worth it. And I mean, the guy's going to end up 30 yards short of another 1,000-yard season. So um kudos to him put on a heck of a show and really ever since um Kenny Galladay's been out for the past three four five weeks he's really been putting on a show that that entire time and part of that I think is Daryl Bevel finally let Matthew Stafford throw it downfield part of it is just him stepping up with this is we've we've become accustomed to this he he typically does step up when Kenny Galladay is out um despite a slow start to this season so I think he probably earned himself a lot of money, and and Mike and I talked about this in the post game show. I'm not sure if the Lions are would really even be smart to hand him that money. I know a lot of people are going to miss him, and and rightfully so. But this team needs to spend every offseason dollar on their defense, and so extending a guy like Marvin Jones, a 31 year old receiver, probably not the wisest move. I would think. Are you guys in agreement with that? I'm in agreement with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a good run for Marvin Jones here. It's gonna, like you said, it's gonna be tough to see him go. 
But for a team that's clearly rebuilding, they, they have a lot of other priorities to keep in mind. Yeah, it just seems like a best move for both sides kind of thing. And, and no side needs to be angry at the other or anything like that. Although I'm sure Marvin's got some thoughts about what happened here, especially with the, the, the previous head coach. But we don't need to get into that. Um, some other guys. I mean, we've talked about Stafford. We don't have to broach that subject if you guys don't want. But something might happen. Something might happen. The, the new GM might decide, hey, we need to get a, a young guy in here. It's of my belief is that if the Lions are, you know, they're going to pick either sixth or seventh, we're recording this before Sunday night football. Um, if there's a good quarterback there that they, they deem worthy, or maybe even they get aggressive and trade up for one, that's fine. I just don't think it's the right move to necessarily uh, you get rid of Stafford in, in the same move there, because I don't really want a rookie quarterback on a team with a defense this bad and an offensive line still working things out and all that sort of stuff. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the third segment. Um, and then Matt Prater. Let's talk about Matt Prater a little bit because he kicked a 50, what, three-yard field goal, became the uh, NFL all-time leader of kicks of 50-plus yards, and he's also becoming a free agent. And unlike Marvin Jones, he sounds like he would very much welcome a, uh, a return to Detroit, but wasn't his best season. Dude's getting up there in age. I don't know. I'm 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 fully aboard the bring him back wagon. What what do you guys think? I think you got to. I mean, we we talked about it on the post game a little bit. Uh, it's not easy to find a kicker right now. I mean, look at Chicago. Look at as you mentioned earlier, Dan Bailey in Minnesota. Look at there's there's so many other teams that are trying to find kickers and struggling. Kickers are coming in and out of the league. They're they're everywhere. Uh, when you got one as good as Matt Prater, even though he didn't have that great of a season you got to lock him down and he's not going to be super expensive. So why not? You know, I, I think this would be the easiest decision for a new GM to make is to just quick lock down that kicker. Ring on. Yep. Yeah. For some reason, this made me think of something that uh, our buddy, Brandon Lee Gowton uh, over at uh, the, uh, the Philly SB nation website had to say uh, about Jim Schwartz. And he said, you know, could you do better than Jim Schwartz at defensive coordinator? You could. Could you do a lot worse than him? Absolutely, you could. So, like, that's how I kind of feel about Matt Prater. Like, could you have a better kicker? Yeah, you could have Justin Tucker. But sure. you could also do a lot, lot worse than Matt Prater. And I know that he had a down season, but you almost kind of want to... I would rather roll the dice with Matt Prater than roll the dice on a new generation of Lions kickers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think... I. I We've been a little bit spoiled with kickers in, in Detroit, and it's hard to imagine that we've been spoiled by anything in Detroit, Ooh, but it, it's true. Uh, but at the same time, I think we all remember the first, what, three games of, was it 2015 season or something, or first three or four games where it was Nate Freeze and other guys' names who I won't even bother mentioning. Like, it was a straight-up disaster, and it was never that bad, even this year with Matt Prater. So I think he's a guy that you have to, <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but chat chat said it. Alex Henry, yes, him as well. Um, yeah, it was it was a disaster there, and I don't I don't even want to dip my toe into that again. So, um, last thing I've got on this game is that, as, as you kind of alluded to, Ryan, it was fun. It was a fun game. Um, it was also fun because it felt like nothing was on the line. Um, so we could root for our team a little bit and and be okay with it. But it. It kind of went perfectly for, I think, Alliance fans that, that maybe felt a little, I don't know, torn about what they should be rooting for because in the end, the Lions lost. So draft pick, great. They're going to pick sixth or seventh. Cool. Meanwhile, they were competitive. They didn't embarrass themselves like they did in national TV against the Bucks. Matthew Stafford was fun to watch. Marvin Jones was fun to watch. Even almost made a defensive player too. I mean, the Lions forced, what, three punts in the first quarter? That was pretty cool. I mean, the rest of the game was horrible on defense, but that was neat. They got a fourth down stop, and okay, it didn't count because the refs are horrible, but that was a fun play. I mean, Tracy, how fun was it to see Tracy Walker make a play? It feels like we didn't get to see that in in decades at this point. And then I think on the very next play, Tracy Walker made another play. Another tackle, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, that was cool to see, you know, some of those players. Um, I don't know why, but the the lasting image I think I'll have from this game is Chad Beebe running past Ron Harmon <laughs> at at the half. Like, that's just so, like, that whole sequence was just 2020 Detroit Lions defense in a nutshell. Like, 
ricochet off four defenders. Jelani Tavai has a chance and like misses and catches wind. And then Duran Harmon's just like a space cadet. And all of a sudden he spots Chad Beebe on his way into the end zone. <laughs> it it was so it was so perfect. I don't it was like rewatching the <laughs> it was like rewatching the New Orleans miracle or whatever the Stefan Diggs touchdown, but like with way less stakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 to think if the Lions would have just forced a field goal there, you do the math. I know that's not how games work, but three instead of seven, that's thirty-seven minus four. Lions win thirty-five, thirty-three. That's how that, I'm I'm choosing to believe that that's what happened. If DeAndre Swift catches that ball in week one. <laughs> it sets off a whole butterfly effect. The Lions are are eight and eight and in the playoffs over the Bears right now. Oh gosh. <laughs> the Bears are the worst eight and eight team to ever make the playoffs in in NFL history. Like, I, think, I think Washington is better than them. I think Washington is better than the Bears. I uh their defense is still good. It wasn't great today against the Packers, but um, but anyways, let, let's get back to this game really quick. Um, one, I like the chat mentioned Matt Nelson playing defensive tackle again. That was kind of neat. Matt Nelson, the defensive tackle turned offensive tackle, turned back defensive tackle in this game. That was cool. Um, the last thing I want to touch on before we, we head to our first break, and, and you guys can decide whether you want to talk about this extensively or not. Do we want to talk about the officiating a little bit? I mean, what, you know, what are we going to say? Like, it, this, this this shit happens to us constantly. I mean, is there any fan base that's more just used to this happening? <laughs> I mean, I, even the players are used to it happening. You talk, you saw what Marvin Jones said. Yeah. That's something I'm just, uh, I'm not saying verbatim here, paraphrasing. He said something to the effect of, like, it's sad that we get used to that sort of call around here or something like that. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, it's horrible, man. Um, I, I just don't want to spend any more time complaining about it other than the hold on. Let me spend a little bit more time complaining about it. <laughs> I just Tracy Walker. He weighs like a buck 50, man. He, there's no way he could have hurt Kirk cousins on accident, let alone on purpose. He, and he didn't drive the shoulder. He barely landed on him. I mean, just, all right, I'm done. <laughs> Ryan, you want to tackle the Marvin Jones one? Or you, you, you're not, I know you hate talking about officiating, but this one had to make you mad at least a little bit, right? Um, no, not even in the slightest. Like, <laughs> because there were no, but there, there were no consequences. Like okay, I saw, but- I saw the play happen and I was like, oh, what a bummer. But then it was that other part of me that's like, oh, well, the Vikings are going to score a touchdown now. And now the Lions <laughs> are going to like secure their spot. But beyond that, don't you want this game to be officiated well? Like, don't you you don't you want to live in an NFL where those kind of calls aren't in it? Like to yeah, me, that that's the unacceptable part. I don't care if there's nothing on the line. I don't care that it helped the Lions. That shit doesn't. Fu- I, I I don't I I hate it. I can't I can't stand how hard it is to play defense in this league. It's it's absolute garbage. Hey, if the if the play that happened in the 2014 playoff game happened today, I I wouldn't care. It's all about the stakes. It's all about the situation and the context. Like, I don't know. I I agree with your point, Jeremy. Like, I agree. Like, officiating should not be hard. We should get it figured out. Like, that was clearly not his full body weight. It was clearly the way that they want them to tackle quarterbacks that are, like, going to the ground, like, going over them. Yeah. Well, it sucks. Like, it is what it is. I don't know. (laughs) The the one thing I also do want to say... Yeah, but it's got to be even and, across and the, one, the board. Every every game right. should be officiated the same way. And and the one thing I do want to say is that I I I'm surprised and I'm almost kind of gleeful that Lions players like straight up trashed the refs after the game. Like I don't know if you guys have seen Adrian Peterson's quote, but I'm going to say it in its entirety right now. Just a terrible call. It's probably the worst call I've ever seen. Mind you, the dude has been in the league for 15 years. You think about the game of football, it's a physical game, it's such a critical situation, fourth and one, that was a game changer type of play. I'm standing there watching the entire play and he actually finished with his hands down and running. To say that he put all of his body weight on the quarterback, it was just it was just one of those calls that you can't make, especially when you see the quarterback taking it helmet to helmet hit earlier in the game. It's like the eyes were closed on the, this play. It's frustrating. 
Dude is mad. Dude is big mad. He was big mad. Taylor Decker was big mad after the game. John Penasini called it bullshit. He was a big man. And, 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 and not only does that show that they're standing up for themselves, which I like, it shows that they actually cared about this game a lot, which I also like. I know, I know everyone's rooting for them to lose, but I dig them being this, you know, emotional about a game no. that really meant nothing more than pride. And it makes sense. Like if I'm any of those guys, yeah, I'm super jazzed up about it. I'm I'm fired up about it because I went out there and I played and I played hard and ended up coming on the you know short end of the stick. But like for a fan, I mean, I, I just I can't get too riled up about it. I don't know, man. I think we should all be as mad as Jeremy's dog is right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you didn't hear that. But anyways, uh, we're going to wrap up our first segment with that. When we come back, we got some GM news. We got some head coaching news to talk about. We got a dog to settle down when we come back on the POD cast. We'll be right back. We are back on the POD cast, wrapping up the 2020 season, but really already jumping into 2021 because, as I alluded to, big news on the lines GM and coaching search comes down Sunday morning. Let's start with, I think, what was maybe the most unpredictable news, and maybe it means nothing in, in the long term. Maybe it means absolutely everything. The Lions are reportedly trying to swing for the fences here and uh, hire current Seahawks general manager. Uh, I almost said John Schneider. Why, why am I John Schneider? John Schneider. Uh, I, I have to say, I, I didn't even consider that this was something that was possible to happen. Maybe it isn't possible. Maybe Schneider's happy there in Seattle. It seemed that there are a lot of reasons why he would be, but uh uh, I'll go to you first, Ryan. What was your first reaction when you saw this news? Was it just like, this isn't going to happen? Or was it like, I mean, it came from Rappaport. So obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but there, there's some legitimacy to it. There's, there's some, there's some smoke there. I don't know if it's coming from both sides, but uh, what were your thoughts? That we need to get Mina Kimes on the show. How do we do that? <laughs> that was my first thought. Um, so, <laughs> but anyways, my, trust me. My, my, my second thought was uh man the lions are really they're really doing it like they're really trying to do literally anything they can to get their hands on a talent evaluator that knows what he's doing and that has been in the big chair before and has rings to prove um his success so um i think uh i think you could do a lot worse than john schneider that's for sure i mean you're talking about a guy who was there when they drafted russell wilson you're you're talking about a guy who built one of the maybe five best defenses in NFL history in the Legion of Boom. And um, now, does he not come without warts? Like, yeah, I mean, like Seattle's roster has really struggled to put together an offensive line. Um, but hey, look, like a place like Detroit, your offensive line is in pretty darn good shape. Um, so, I mean, like I said, you could do a lot worse than John Schneider. That's for sure. Um, but it's it. my my initial reaction was just like, sweet, like Detroit is doing what they should be doing. They should be trying to go and get the guy who can do it. Uh, Mike, I, I know you've got a column coming uh, early this week, maybe on Monday, maybe a little bit later. Um, so don't, you don't have to spoil it completely, but uh, I'll, I'll spoil it a little bit. You're a big John Schneider fan, are you not? Oh, man, this I oh. Rod Wood, are you watching right now? You're probably not. You're probably doing something else. But if you're watching right now, dude, go to the nearest truck rental place. I don't care if it's a U-Haul or some sort of dump truck place. The biggest truck they got there. Pack it full of money. Drive it to this man's driveway and leave it there with a contract taped to it. I swear, this is this is it. I mean, this is a franchise-changing hire if the Lions could pull it off. I, I'm, I have no qualms going that far by saying that. I mean, this is what you want to do. This is not only was this a guy that put together the Seattle Seahawks team or helped put together the current Seattle Seahawks team. 
He was also in Green Bay when they drafted a guy named, I don't know, what's his name? Aaron Rodgers. He also helped put together the 1996 Green Bay Super Bowl champion team. This guy is legit. He is the dream candidate. The Lions need to go out and get this guy. They got to do whatever they can do to go get this guy. It's going to be a little harder, though. It's not going to be a walk in the park to try to pry him away from a very good situation. As you and I had talked earlier, Jeremy, you thought you felt it was a little bit risky. But this would be a promotion for, for Schneider, and uh, obviously it would be a big risk as well, but got to do it. This is a huge, huge franchise-changing hire. By the way, Rod Wood definitely doesn't listen to the podcast. I heard he's not a football guy, so this probably wouldn't interest him that much. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think there's a lot of warts that come along with Schneider. I think it's it would be a home run. The guy's only been around franchises that succeed. Um, his 2010 draft, literally the first draft he had as the Seattle Seahawks GM, Russell Okung, Earl Thomas, Golden Tate, Cam Chancellor. Are you kidding me? Nah, it's all right. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> Just four Pro Bowlers. No big deal. Uh and granted, it hasn't been as good since. I mean, you get it like a KJ Wright in there, Bobby Wagner's in there, Russell Wilson in there. But the point is, like, this team, even with, like, the the Legion of Boom is gone. And where is this team? Still in the playoffs. Still winning their division. Like, they've been able to to handle losing some guys to free agents. They're, they're really doing it right, which is they're holding on to guys for maybe a second contract but once they hit that third contract and they're they're expensive they're moving on and reloading and it's working and yes they haven't had an odd offensive line forever yes they've they've had some ugly divorces with some really talented players but they keep winning that's all that matters and and sure you can give Pete Carroll some of the credit for that and he probably deserves a ton of it because he's also apparently heavily involved in uh the the personnel department um but Schneider is, is just, I mean, I don't know if you could pull a more talented guy with, with a better pedigree from this entire thing. Now, here's where it's tricky because, as Mike mentioned, it's going to be hard to pry them from Seattle. And it's unclear how, how easy it will be for the Lions to even get in the door with Schneider because Rappaport's article kind of glossed over and said, like, it's pretty easy. Like, he's not in charge of the main decision. So it would technically be a promotion in Detroit. But if you read an article by Mike, Mike Florio later in the day, he kind of clarified that said it might not be that easy. Um, and he dug into the, into the, the rule book about tampering and things like that. And the key phrase he says in the tampering is that final authority regarding to the composition of the 53 man roster is not a requirement for someone to, to not be tampered with. And so that's, that's how it was described as Pete Carroll's role is that he has final player comp composition, but, but because I think Schneider has, you know, a hand in it. And again, it's not all completely clear. And I don't know how the, the, the Seahawks will, will necessarily get around any loopholes or anything, but the, the main point Florio was making was that it might, the lines might not even be able to interview this guy. And it, the Seahawks might be able to block it. So the Lions are going to have to work out all of that, those details. They, they, they could take the Seahawks to an arbitration, that sort of thing, if, they, if they're really that serious about it. Um, but I guess my question to you guys, and, and, and Mike alluded to it a little bit, is why would Schneider leave? That's my question. Uh, well, I mean, just a real quick point. This isn't the first time somebody's tried to get Schneider away from Detroit. The Packers tried it in 2018. Right. The Seahawks did deny that interview. So it could happen to the Lions as well. But the reason, uh, as, we, as we already sort of alluded to, is that Pete Carroll sort of has final say. He has final cut, as they say in the movie business. Like, he, he has the final decision over all personnel matters. So in this move, John Snyder would... Would would effectively bump up, would effectively get a promotion because he will he will now have final say over all personnel matters in Detroit. Um, he would also wouldn't have to do a consult with anybody. I mean, he's making his own decision. He gets to hire all his own guys, whoever he wants. Uh, without, I mean, uh, he's off the leash basically. Not to say that he's totally on a leash in, in Seattle, but like he's getting to make all the decisions by himself. 
without having to cut all at anybody. And that's a big deal. And plus, I'm sure the Lions are going to pay him a hefty, hefty amount, probably more than he's going to make at Seattle because you're going to have to throw that money at him to pry him away. You think that's going to be enough to to get him to even consider that, Ryan? Power and money? Um, Maybe. I, I, I think that might have something to do with it. I, I think maybe Pete Carroll gets an awful lot of credit in Seattle and maybe maybe Schneider is looking for something that he can, you know, have um, he can have, you know, final say over and full say sure. over and all those decisions. The, the one the one thing that this made me think of uh, was our talk about um, our talk that we had with Mr. Ledbetter um, about Dimitrov and having, mm-hmm. you know, final say on the 90 man roster, but Dan Quinn getting the 53 man roster, him getting the final say on it. So this is almost something that you can't really then use as a bargaining chip. If you want to go get a GM first, before you go get a head coach, because maybe, maybe you want to give a head coach that kind of autonomy or that kind of power um, to make those decisions. And that might be something that might that might be something that one team can offer another another head coach that the Lions might be interested in, and and maybe that might be a more attractive, appealing offer. So I guess that's something to keep in mind too. And and I think it's just such a fascinating thing because I hadn't really hadn't really heard of it until uh, you know we we talked about it on that first bite the other the other day. Yeah, I I mean I get all the power stuff, and and yeah, maybe there there are a lot of egos in the NFL, and if you can feed into that ego and say hey. You want to get out of Pete Carroll's shadow? You want to prove that you can do this on your own? Maybe that sort of works, but I mean, and maybe this is just me. I'm kind of a risk-averse person in general. I look at the Seahawks franchise, and I look how good it's been for decades. I see job security. I see decades of, of staying where I'm at, being comfortable, winning Super Bowls, winning playoff games, and then I see an opportunity in Detroit, and I see, uh-oh, I see... GMs that last four years, five years, three years. I see, I see a bunch of people that leave this organization and suddenly don't find a job much of anywhere. Martin and Mayhew's maybe one of the exceptions there. Um, but in general, I mean, I hate to say, it, but the lines are, are where careers often go to die. And so it's, it's a scary proposition when you have, a pretty comfy job, a lot of success, and sure, um, money and power speak to a lot of people's needs. It wouldn't necessarily be a high priority for me. Maybe it is John Schneider. We, we, I guess we don't really know. Well, let me let me sort of pose this idea here because this is an athletic and this is a c- competition. You know, this is all about competition. Now, what if there's some gamesmanship type idea here? Like, let's say I get the power, I get the money. And now I have the ultimate challenge of turning around the worst team ever. So let's say I do it. I have the ultimate glory that like no one else can have. I'm Theo Epstein now from the Cubs. I mean, I'm, 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 I get a free beer anywhere I go in the city now. You know what I'm saying? I'm the man. Uh, I, I think that, I think that there's, you gotta, you gotta put that in there. I mean, I know it's not totally something that you would uh, totally always think about, but I, I certainly think some gamesmanship is something you got to think about here. Plus, I think, you know, with his track record being as well as it is and as blemish-free as it appears to be, even if he failed out in the lines, he's probably somebody that could sustain that hit. It's possible. I mean, he that, that is a good point, is that he has, he's been in this, uh, he's been in this league for a long time, and he has a, a pretty good history, as you mentioned, with the Packers, with Washington, with... Seattle a couple times. Uh, so I think, I think that's a good point to make. Um, and with that, unless Ryan, do you have anything else on Schneider before we move on? Yeah, real quick. Um, yeah. one, I need to know how responsible he was for trading Max Unger to get Jimmy Graham. Cause that was a terrible trade. <laughs> Fair. You want he him? Had- you want, you want John Schneider to come to town and tra- trade Frank Ragnow? Absolutely not. No, 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 sir. Okay. We get Jimmy Graham out of it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if we could pry him from uh, the NFC North. He he would he would take his turn on the uh, merry-go-round. You just have to hit the Vikings on the way out. Um, but uh, the the one other thing I want to say, Jeremy, you just called yourself risk averse for a guy who took like four shots of hot sauce and did a bunch of other dumb shit on New Year's <laughs> Eve. So listen, that's pain is temporary. 
Four I'm shots not, of lime juice, four shots of pickle juice, three dog treats in one night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the pickle juice was the worst. But any um, risk-averse people have a Macho Man costume. <laughs> and it appears I may have the mustache still intact for that because our live chat is being ridiculous right now. Anyways, uh, let's move on to the other uh, big news of the day, and that was one that I think people were considerably less excited about if i can be fair judging the lions uh fans here uh, lions apparently secretively interviewed marvin lewis for their head coaching job on thursday it's interesting on saturday during our, our madden stream on on twitch someone had asked me who is my favorite lines retread candidate for head coach and i actually said marvin lewis and i had that was kind of an off-the-cuff answer and i I might think differently doing a little bit of research but marvin lewis is a well-respected dude who did a pretty good job in Cincy, but the only thing that Lions fans are going to care about is the fact that he never won a playoff game. And that, I mean, considering this team hasn't won a playoff game since 1991 season, that's that's a, a legit thing to be upset or concerned about. Um, is that pretty much encapsulate your entire view of, of Marvin Lewis, Ryan? Uh, not totally. Like Marvin okay. Lewis, I think, is an upgrade over what Jim Caldwell did. Um, and I want to say that because when did Marvin Lewis ever have like a franchise quarterback? Like when he had Carson Palmer, he was so close to winning a, a playoff game. And then all of a sudden Carson Palmer's knee gets blown out. So, um, some bad luck. I mean, let, let's be honest too. I mean, the only time that Jim Caldwell experienced success in the NFL was when he had Peyton Manning or when he had Matthew Stafford. Sure. Um, I mean, he was a guy who went, what, one in 15 and got canned uh, when when, you know, Manning decided to retire. So. Um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't love the Marvin Lewis hire, right, but I would understand the move that they're making, because, as you said, they're going for a guy who's high character. They're going for a guy who's a player's coach, uh, undoubtedly. Um, I think that you could do a lot worse than Marvin Lewis. What about you, Mike? What do you think? I just, you know, I, I'm I'm with Ryan on a lot of the stuff that he's talking about there, but I, man, there's just the stain of of how those last few years in Cincinnati went down. It just, it was just so so bad, and I feel like there there's Cincinnati still trying to like rebuild off of you know the how bad it had gotten under Marvin or under Marvin. So, um, ultimately, I think this was a due diligence interview. I don't like that it was a secret. I don't understand that portion of it. Um, it's kind of weird. Uh, I also don't know why they're interviewing coaches. We don't have a GM yet, which is another concerning thing, which also makes me think like maybe they want to hire Marvin Lewis to not only be the head coach, but also the GM, sort of a Bill O'Brien type situation, which makes me okay. really nervous. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I really, you know, Marvin, I get that he's a, a respected guy in the league, but I, I just don't, I don't get it. I, not for me yeah i i'm i'm pretty much there with with both of you i it's just i see some people saying like oh well he's good for a rebuild he'll he'll kind of get us to a point where like he'd be like a jim schwartz kind of hire it's just like no i want i don't want a guy who will just get us to a point and then we hire the new one i want the new i want the the, the championship guy right away and and you know i i know this this team isn't going to be ready to compete for a championship in 2021 and probably not 2022 either but um, get a guy that that will get you there eventually. And Marvin Lewis, well-respected guy. I, I like his attitude. I like he would probably bring a good culture into Detroit. And maybe just maybe with with a better GM, he, he dealt, he will have the talent. You know that that AFC North that he was in features a really good Steelers team, pretty much that entire time, and and a pretty good Ravens team as well. So. There's reasons to why maybe they, they didn't have as much success as they did, but the, the dude also won that division, I think, four times. So um, it, it's tough. It's it's a mixture. It's a mixed feeling. I'm, I'm kind of there with Ryan where you could do a lot worse. You could do a lot better, but I want him to do better. I just want him to do better. And that leads me into kind of more news from that same news story um, from, and, and it came from everyone from NFL Network, just like all of their insiders. Um, he says, Robert Sala, a Dearborn native, is considered a strong candidate, but the Lions are expected to run a wide search for that position, um, including Eric Bieniemy, Saints assistant head coach Dan Campbell, 
Arthur Smith, a bunch of guys that they, we, we've already mentioned before on this show. Um, but I think the big news here is that it's all going to kick into high gear like this week, like regular season is over. We're about to get a lot of head coaching interviews coming in, I believe. And, and why I, I, I get what you're saying, Mike, I think, I think at this point, the Lions are just trying to condense everything they can into now because they probably want a general manager and a head coach in place in two weeks and three weeks. Like you don't want to be at the end of January without either of those guys. You want them both hired. And so you, you kind of got to overlap the interviews a little bit. And I agree with you. Like it's probably best if they have a, a, you know, a GM in place before head coach or maybe vice versa. But I don't think there should be any concern necessarily about them going the route of having a coach slash GM. Like that's a bad idea. It's well documented that that's a bad idea. And the fact that they've already interviewed what seven, eight guys in for the general manager job shows to me that they, they plan on, on separating the two, hopefully. Well, and like you said, Jeremy, things are going to ramp up. And uh, I mean, it was Albert Breer who reported that Robert Sala will interview for the Falcons head coaching job on Monday. So, um, and he also mentions in the same tweet that the Lions are also planning to get an interview with with him this week as well. But it's yeah. Mon- Monday it starts. Yep. Giddy up. It's All right. And I fun. think that works. It is going to be fun. And I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to just tracking all the names, tracking all the jobs, because we're going to, I mean, there's also going to be Black Monday. By the time you're listening to this podcast, Anthony Lynn's probably fired. I mean, I don't, I don't want to speculate too much, but there's going to be a lot of openings as well. So there's going to be a lot of competition and we're going to be following it every single day and giving you the most up-to-date news as we can on prideofdetroit.com and right here on the Pride of Detroit podcast. But when we come back, we're going to look even further into 2021 and talk about some candidates, uh, or I should say some players that might not be around or might stick around and we're going to make some decisions on that ourselves so stick around on the pod cast we'll be right back And we are back on the POD cast, closing out the Lions 2020 season. Let's preview a little bit of what's to come in 2021 and specifically talk about some Lions upcoming free agents. We're not going to talk about all of them, just kind of some of the more notable ones. We referenced a little bit ahead of time, um, some of the performance that we saw on uh, Sunday. And one of those, let's start with one of those guys. Let's start with Romeo Aquara. Um, picked up his 10th sack of the season, uh, more sacks than Khalil Mack on the year. Um, but might be a little expensive. Lines are going to be a little tight with the cap, but you know, we reference maybe not bringing back Marvin Jones because lines need to focus on the defense. Is, is Romeo Quara suddenly a pri- you know, a priority signing this off season? Let's go to Mike first. Uh, in an ideal world. Yes. Uh, in the real world, I don't think that the Lions are going to be able to offer him the money that he wants to be offered because obviously the Lions are going to be in a cost-cutting mood. Uh, they're going to be looking to do things on the cheaper end. And this is a guy that was never supposed to be in this position. Like He, he worked his way up, uh, and, and the, ne- the natural progression to this is to go get your big contract wherever you can get it. And somebody out there is going to offer him a lot more money than the Lions are going to offer him. He's going to take it. And it's not going to matter that his brother plays here. Uh, This is a business, man. You got to get paid because who knows how much longer Romeo's got. What do you think, Ryan? I'm going to be really interested to see what kind of market he actually gets in terms of in terms of people who are suitors for Romeo Aquara, because 10 sacks, as Jeremy said, all out of nowhere. Um, you can comfortably say that he hasn't really played to this level yet in his entire career. So why is it all of a sudden happening now? Um, and it kind of just goes to show like how pointless a sat like sacks really is. Um, I mean, like, like you said, more, more sacks and Cleo Mack, who would you rather have on your team? Um, I mean, I, 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 you'd have to look at a lot more advanced things. Like I'd, I'd want to see like, I mean, how many double teams did he face? Were all of his sacks, you know, one, you know, one on one against a tackle or a tight end or, you know, whatever it may have been. 
Um, so there's a lot more that goes into obviously that, that sax equation than I think a lot of people give credit to. So I just wanted to again, reaffirm that we are team anti sax. Um, <laughs> we like them. They're just not the reason why you should get paid. Um, so that's kind of where I am with Romeo Aquara. Like, I'm not sure what kind of market, what kind of market do you think he's going to have a lot of suitors lining up at the door to pay him, Jeremy? I, I kind of do. Um, cause this wasn't a season where the sacks just were, were a number. He had that season already. He had seven and a half sacks two years ago. That was a garbage seven and a half sacks. This is not, this is a guy who had an 84.2 PFF grade in terms of pass rush this year. This is a guy who led, uh, you know, was, was top 10 or so in pressures. This is a guy who who's legit and yeah, he doesn't have the pass rush moves and he isn't necessarily as flashy as, as some of the best pass rushers in the league. I wouldn't consider him a top 10 pass rusher in this league, but I wouldn't say he's that far off. I really wouldn't. And so you're talking about a guy who's 25 years old right now, will be 26. He's young. I think he's going to have a significant market. Is he going to get 15 million a year? Probably not. Is he going to get maybe 10 million a year? I wouldn't be surprised. And that makes him very costly. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how much the hometown discount is um, with with the Julian Aquara stuff. I don't think it's it's something that you can just gloss over. The, the dudes were living together essentially, or you know, next door to each other. I think that matters. Um, but I also think Lions fans tend to be like, oh, he'll give him. You know, he'll definitely give us the hometown d- discount. No, no question. I don't know. But but Aquara, I mean, he also has to kind of give the Lions some credit for making his career. Like he left that Giants team as someone on the waiver wire who wasn't doing anything just had how many sacks to his name? Two sacks to his name. And he's gotten over, he's gotten about 20 since he's been here. So there might be some loyalty there. There might be some, some local ties. It might help out. Um, and it, the lines might be wise to, to sign them. I like, I mean, what's the one thing that we've all said this team needs for, for decades and decades. It's pass rusher. Well, they got one in their backyard right now. Why let him go away? I just didn't see it enough this year in terms of consistency. Like he he had plays, he made plays, but then he would disappear for big stretches of games. So um, would I like to have him back? Absolutely. Do I think he gives the Lions a hometown discount? Absolutely not. Like this is a guy who hasn't gotten that first big contract yet. I mean, he's been on he's been on some pretty paltry deals. So, I mean, like this guy probably wants to get paid. He's about to enter the prime of his career. He's he's going to be looking for money, and um, if some team is willing to offer him a lot more than the Lions are, then the Lions can look to the draft for for pass rush. I'm sort of with Ryan on on an aspect of what he was saying is like is is Romeo Arquara? I think what you're kind of saying is Romeo Arquara this good, or is he the the best of a really bad situation? Like is he just looking as good as he is because of how bad the Lions defense is? But I think one thing you have to consider is like he's putting all up these crazy stats. You know, he, for a while he was top 10 in pass rush, ESPN's pass rush win rate. Like I said, near the top 10 in, in pressures on PFF, really high pass rush grade. And who's helping him out on that defensive line? Who's drawing t- attention away from him? Nobody. Absolutely freaking nobody. He's doing this all on his own. You see the plays that he's make. No one's getting double teamed on the offensive line away from him. And he's probably not dealing with too many double teams himself, but all those are, I mean, how many of his sacks this year were cleanup sacks? One, two, maybe? He's doing that all on his own, and I think that deserves some some credit. Would you pay him like Trey Flowers, Jeremy? No. That's too much. We'll see, though. I don't know. He's, he's an interesting case. Um, let's talk about another interesting case. Do you want to go back to Marvin Jones? Or did we talk enough about him? Let, let's go to Marvin Jones. Let's talk about maybe what his worth is, you know, all the, the focus for the past four months have been on re-signing Kenny Galladay. That hasn't gone anywhere yet. I'm not saying that it won't go anywhere, but let's, let's say it, it doesn't necessarily have to be an either or situation here, but are you guys giving any thought to, to re-signing Marvin Jones? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, it wouldn't be the worst thing to have Marvin Jones come back, especially because look, I still expect Kenny Galladay to leave. I, I don't think that there's any way he winds up staying. So you could either let Marvin go, you can let Kenny Galladay go too, and then you'd be stuck with Geronimo Allison and Quintez Cephas, or, or you can you can go out and and uh, you're almost getting hamstrung by Marvin Jones at this point. So you're going to have to pay him 
whatever it is that he wants, just so you don't have a, a low amount of receivers or have to go out there with a, a bunch of rookies. Uh, so I, I don't know, man. If I'm Marvin Jones' agent, I sort of got the Lions right where I want them. Maybe he winds up staying. But ultimately, if I'm Marvin, I'm looking to go win a Super Bowl somewhere. And it's not, it's not about the money anymore. Let's connect the dots. Lions interview Marvin Lewis. Reunite him. <laughs> All right. All right. Give me a serious answer. Um, Serious answer. I think Marvin Jones is ready to move on from Detroit. I think he's probably for more than more than just football reasons. Maybe maybe he's ready to to move on. And I, I know he's like, you know, built a family here and stuff, but he's also had some pretty like devastating things happen to him. So maybe that's something either he embraces about Detroit or maybe he views this as another opportunity to say like, hey, like, let's let's go uh, finish somewhere else. Um, especially with the way that he was talking during the uh, with the media the other day, it, it seemed pretty clear that he's going to embrace being a free agent uh, yeah. and he's going to take full advantage of that situation. So would the Lions would the Lions be worse for having Marvin Jones next year? Absolutely not. Um, but with I think as we as we kind of see with the rest of the roster, I think the Lions are about to enter like a full rebuild um, aside from that offensive line. So every position on defense can stand to be upgraded. Almost every position on offense can stand to be upgraded um, with the exception of that offensive line. And maybe the Lions just go for a youth movement. I don't know. What do you think, Jeremy? I, 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 think, I think this is how the Lions should handle wide receiver. You tag Kenny Galladay if you can't reach a long-term deal um, because – Listen, they, they shouldn't be spending a ton of money on wide receiver right now. They just shouldn't. I know I know it's going to be a, a weak point of their roster right now, but they really need to focus on defense. So you give Kenny Galladay a one-year deal if you won't agree to a backloaded deal because the Lions can't really afford a lot on the front end of a deal. You, you can't spend it on Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is going to get paid, and he should get paid, but he's on the back end of his career. He deserves to go somewhere where um, you know he has a, shot, a legit shot at a title right away. And maybe a team, maybe you'll find that team, maybe he won't. But for the Lions, it doesn't make sense to pay a 30 plus yard, a 30 plus year old receiver for a team that probably isn't going to win in the next two, three years. It just doesn't make sense to, to invest in that. So you go after Kenny Galladay. If you can't come to a long term deal, you, you franchise him and then you draft a guy. Either way, I, I need to see the Lions draft a guy in day one or day two this year because they need it. They need a, a, a speedy guy. They need a guy with speed. Like for for God's sakes, give Matthew Stafford some speed. If if Matthew Stafford is sticking around, we we can't just do Marvin Hall and Jamal Agnew. These kind of like cast off guys who, you know, maybe wide receivers. Very and gadgety. Yeah, very gadgety. Like just get a speed guy who's also good. And and I'm not <laughs> trying to take take away things from Marvin Hall because Marvin Hall had a role and he filled it well. He just was never well-rounded. Jamal Agnew is not a receiver. I'm sorry. We, we found that out this year. Nice try lines. It didn't work. Get a fast guy. That's good. So easy. So easy. easy. Just go get it's one of those easy. fast guys that are good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Real, real quick. My top three favorite landing spots for Marvin Jones. Uh, number one, I would like him with the Houston Texans. I think that'd be a really good fit with Deshaun Watson and Brandon Cooks. Yeah. And they'd have a little something cooking there. Um, no pun intended. My, Number two spot would be the Miami Dolphins. Okay. They could okay. stand to upgrade at wide receiver, get like a nice veteran guy. Mm. Um, they might draft a quarterback, by the way. <laughs> You're a to, a, to a not great today. Any, anyone want to talk about how the Lions should have drafted Tua since he just knocked them, their own team out of the playoffs? No? Anybody? Anybody? Nope, good. Okay. And then uh, the last team would be the Baltimore Ravens. He just seems like a Baltimore yeah. Ravens player. They'd be stacked. Ravens man. are my pick as well. That would be, I mean, that's that's everything the Ravens need is a guy like that. Bengals fans would not like that. All 20 of them. <laughs> Ouch. Um, all right, last guy I want to talk about, and we're going to talk about him all offseason. We're just going to start with it now. Mike Payton. What are the Lions doing with Matthew Stafford? <laughs> or what is Matthew Stafford doing with Matthew Stafford? All right. Well, I mean, this is something I've been thinking about for a while. I've been beating it around for 
Well, that sounds kind of dirty. I've been uh, I, I've been sort of going back and forth. <laughs> what has Matthew Stafford been doing to himself? <laughs> no, all right. Look, I I I think Matthew Stafford is going to announce that he's going to retire. Uh, and, and I, it sucks to even say that out loud to to everybody here on on the podcast. And I hope I really hope that I'm wrong. But with everything that's happened this year, the the thumb, the ribs, the 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 uh, the ankle, um, all this personal stuff with you know his wife is just just had brain surgery just a couple of years ago, his daughter just had a concussion and he was stuck uh, in COVID lockdown and couldn't go be there for for his kid. I mean that that alone, I mean, is just a, such a crazy thing to to. To go through, uh, and then on top of it all, man, the 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 professional uh, side of Matthew Stafford having to deal with yet another losing season, another set of coaches, another GM, and to go through what is probably going to be a total rebuild. Take the money and run. I mean, at this point, you've done uh, so much in your career statistically. Obviously, didn't get the big playoff success that you wanted, or you didn't win that Super Bowl, but you have made millions and millions and millions of dollars. I really don't see a reason why Matthew wouldn't retire, and that's the hardest part. Is I can't figure out a reason why he would want to stay. Frankly, the whole idea that he just loves playing football just doesn't seem like enough anymore. So I'm not sure. And before you jump in, Ryan, I just I want to be clear, like this is this is all us speculating like this. None of us have any inside sources on this. And Matthew Stafford is the kind of person that doesn't tip his hand. So we don't really know what's going on in his mind. And we don't know how much he wants to stay here, how much he wants to leave, how much he wants to play football into his 40s. Like if you take him at his word in the past, he said very specifically he wants to play late into his career and he doesn't think he's done with football and he loves playing the game. Um, But Stafford has been trained very well to say the right things at the right time. And obviously this year was also unique in the, in the challenges that he faced. So I think, I think it's an interesting point. I'm I'm not with you there. I do believe that maybe even him just playing in this game on, on Sunday proves to me that the dude is, is still, still loves the game, still willing to put his own body and his future on the line for a meaningless week 17 game. But it's something that that I think we we all have to kind of consider might be part of his thought process this offseason. I mean, I, I just I, I think you also have to look at that last game as you know, obviously, as Daryl Bevel said in the in the postgame presser, Stafford gave a stirring speech last night. We don't know what he said in that speech, obviously, and we probably may never know. Uh, but the point is um, he wanted to play this game because you don't want to go out the way that he went out last week where he got hurt, had to be taken out, missed the rest of the game. You go out, you give it one last game, you give your best performance. We can all agree that he gave his best performance uh, or, or one of his, you know, he gave it his, but he gave it his all in what could be his last game. I don't know, man. It, I ultimately, I don't think it happens. I'm about 50, 50 on the whole thing, but it's too hard to ignore the possibility of it right now. All right, Ryan, what's your take on Stafford's future? I was with you, Jeremy, in in terms of I look at week 16 and week 17 as examples of the uber competitor that Matthew Stafford is. And I don't think he's finished with football yet. Um, I think that's a tough thing to eventually call call it quits. And, you know, Jeremy brings up the point that, you know, Stafford's not going to necessarily tip his hand. If it is a situation where Matthew Stafford decides that his family needs him more than he needs to keep playing football, then I think that the Lions are all of a sudden in a situation where you could have like an Andrew Luck type situation happen where Matthew Stafford just all up, you know, one day decides I'm done playing football. Hopefully that happens sooner than later. He like lets the team know because this is a team that still very much needs Matthew Stafford. And I I sent out a tweet earlier today where I said, you know, I hope Matthew Stafford retires as a Detroit lion. um, Because I, I think that, I think that he's got a lot of unfinished business here. And I think that he wants to finish that business. I think that he wants to, to put his stamp on this thing and, and to, to, to follow through on being the number one pick of this franchise. Um, 
I think that's somebody. I, I I don't know. I just think he's that uber competitor that that wants to see something you know through to the finish. And um, maybe he retires and maybe he calls it quits. But um, man, that that would just feel like such an unfulfilling ending to the Matthew Stafford legacy to to his to his story. Sure. And I mean, he's got a lot of unfinished business, right? Like I'm sure it it eats at him every single day that he's this pro bowl quarterback that's never won a playoff game. The pro guy who, you know, has such an awful record against teams with winning records on the road, all that sort of stuff. I'm sure it eats at him for the competitor that he is. I mean, here, I'll, I'll take a quote that from tonight from after the game, when he, he was asked if it gets any easier in week 17, knowing that's the last game he's going to play this season, not making the playoff. It's hard every time. Difficult, disappointing, all those words come to mind. I want to win. I want to be in those games more than anything. Dude's a competitor. And I, I'm, I, as, as far as it, you know, the Lions point of view of this entire thing, I'm, I'm fully on board with the Lions drafting a first round quarterback. If, if they find a guy that they're, that's their guy and he's there at six or he's there at seven, or even if they want to jump a couple spots and, and get Justin Fields or whoever it is, I'm okay with that but I think Stafford still needs to be part of the equation. I still think the lions need to have him in there so that they aren't throwing a rookie quarterback into the fire. And, and maybe they could trade him and, and get Ryan Tannehill, not Ryan Tannehill. Um, I always confuse Ryan Tannehill and uh, Fitzmagic, but get, you, they could get a, you, Cam Newton. They could get, get Cam Newton for a year. And maybe that is the bridge to gap. But to me, I I think you you have to consider keeping Stafford around as as a tool as a, as a mentor as a guy that maybe even gives you a chance in 2021 um probably not but you never know and and so I don't know I just I'm not ready to move on from Matthew Stafford and I think today's game maybe convinced me even more uh, of the fact that this guy still has a lot of football to play and I I hope he believes he does too can I can I sort of add just another thought here because I don't I don't want to leave it on just me thinking that he's going to retire like I I, I I if he stays he needs to be a part of this franchise and I think any GM incoming is going to believe that too and and I I'm to the point where maybe you don't even need to draft another quarterback this coming year because he is still only 32 years old you could probably still get three four years out of him uh, at a high high level so I, I think if you're going to do this whole rebuild I mean, the ideal situation is you want to have a quarterback to build around. Stafford sticks around. The Lions have that already. So, I mean, if he winds up not retiring, which, man, I really hope he doesn't. The Lions should definitely be building around him. All right, I'll leave you with the last word before we close out here. I think that if the incoming GM does not take a quarterback in the first round, I think you're going to you're going to all of a sudden have a GM who is hyper-focused on competing immediately. Like, I, I truly think that if they don't take a quarterback in the first round and they're sticking with Matthew Stafford, I don't think that this is complete rebuild. I think that this is a, a GM who comes in and says on the fly, like, maybe I do take, um, you know, the the San Francisco 49ers approach. I invest a bunch of, a bunch of you know, draft capital into the defense, and then a, a year or two from now, we're competing with, you know, a Matthew Stafford who's probably just leaving the prime of his career. Um, but otherwise, if if he does take a a quarterback, I think you're you're looking at probably a rebuild. And do you think what what are your thoughts about keeping Stafford around for one more year? Or do you think if they're going full rebuild, go full rebuild and, and just blow it up? I, you'd have to entertain the idea, right? Because you'd have to value how much how much you can get out of Matthew Stafford. If it ends up being a draft pick, then yeah, this is why this is such a tough decision. It, yeah. it really is because I mean, think about all the guys who get drafted number one overall, and think about them. Think about how many of them are still with their team. Jameis Winston isn't with the Bucks anymore. Alex Smith has been all over the league. There's Sam not Bradford. a lot of yeah, and <laughs> Bradford. There's there's not a lot of guys who do that, and um. Uh, Matthew Stafford is going to be the biggest question mark of this offseason. And that's weird to say when you don't have a head coach and you don't have a GM. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's going to be the thing that we... T- well, the thing is, the GM and the head coach thing, that'll sort itself out in the next month. Matthew Stafford, we're going to be talking about 
almost every week, I feel like. And you guys are probably going to be sick of it. I'm certainly going to be sick of it. Uh, I was sick of it in the past off seasons. And we only, you know, a rumor would come up once in the off season. We're going to deal with a whole lot of rumors and a whole bunch of fun stuff. But you know what? It's all part of the fun because now the regular season is over. As I said, the Lions can't hurt us until September again. And then everyone said, oh, but the draft is in April. You won't know if the Lions hurt you in the draft until three years from now. So shut up. And with that. That's our podcast of the week. Uh, join us. We'll have some midweek podcasts talking about some lines, gym, and head coaching candidates as we have for the past few weeks. But I appreciate you all joining us. Mike, I appreciate you filling in this week. Again, you can follow him at POD underscore Peyton. Ryan, love you as always. Thanks for joining us as well. And until next time, it's chaos. Be kind. Be <laughs> kind.